everybody. Welcome back. Oh, we are so close, guys. Uh, another episode of Simply Amazing. Taryn is back. My better half, Taryn Sharma. What's up, buddy? It's good to be back. Um, and, and we've got a jam-packed episode. So much to talk about. So much that we haven't been able to, to chat about. And so I'm excited to, to be able to discuss with you, Tim. Well, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the news cycle is certainly churning, whether it's spring training and then the, now the World Baseball Classic is kind of taking things over. Um, I guess first things first, we, of course, if you heard our last episode, you heard a, <laughs> a very brief uh, sun not up yet intro on Thursday morning, uh, Friday, not Thursday morning, my apologies. Uh, Edwin Diaz was indeed injured, seriously injured during his celebration uh, with uh, Team Puerto Rico over uh, Team Dominican Republic. Um, per a Mets report or per a Mets release, he tore the it was a full. Oh, I wish I had it in front of me. I don't. It, it was, was a full. A full thickness tear. There, there yeah. it is. A full thickness tear of the platella. Uh, p- platella. The patellar and, tendon, yep. Yeah, which is that, it's that big, thick one underneath your um, <laughs> kneecap, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's um, that's got to be extremely painful. Uh, I'm hoping to get a, a full update from Brother Phil. Of course, my brother, is a, he's a uh, athletic trainer at a, at a college, and um, we have chatted about it, and I think he's looking into it. He's going to find out what exactly this means for him long term. As far as this being his uh, his push off leg and not his landing leg, and how repairing that tendon could affect him down the road, but we'll get into all that. I saw the the text. Go ahead, go ahead. The text that you posted um, with your brother that it seems like it's it's probably a good thing that it's the push off leg, right? Well, you know, I'm not a doctor, but that was his initial response. I, I would assume that that would probably be the case. And again, I think the way that he put it was that if his push off leg doesn't come to a very pronounced bend during his follow through. And in my head, I'm thinking like Tom Seaver, like that would be a pronounced bend off the push off leg. Yeah. And in my head, Diaz doesn't really do that, but I know he's going to be looking into it. And once I get some time, I'm going to be looking into it as well. Cause I'm curious. And I guess the, the more, you know, and let's go ahead and bring in the, <laughs> the, uh, the shooting star and the rainbow. And then it's the more, you know, um, <laughs> I guess the big issue that, a lot of baseball fans, Mets fans had was that Diaz was injured during the world baseball classic. Sure. Uh, Taryn, what are your, what are your thoughts here? Cause I made my thoughts pretty clear on, on Twitter, but going to jump into them some more, of course, but I'm very curious to hear where you stand. Yeah. So for me, uh, what I care about is the Mets and, uh, and I want the Mets to be good. And I want the, uh, I would like to see the Mets win a world series. But it's it's not about me, right? Um, it, it's not my skills that I'm putting out there. Uh, I'm not. It's not my body that I'm putting on the line, uh, and it's not my money or my paycheck. So, uh, in in my opinion, if this is what Lindor, Diaz, whoever else, I mean, Altuve got hurt last night, right, breaking the thumb. Uh, that's going to keep him out until June. Um, I, I am fine with however they want to use their talents. And this seems really important to them. 
And given that it seems so important to them, I think it would be wrong for us as fans to be like, no, you should only use your talents in the way that I say that you can. Because these are people, right? They're not machines. uh, And that's what makes sports great, right? It's the stories. And even in like such a terrible situation, right? Diaz going down in a heap following a celebration, right? Um, To see the, the extremely human reaction of his brother uh in the aftermath of that i i mean that was just uh such a testament to like what sports can make you feel that i don't think normal life can and for these guys they feel so strongly about their countries they're so proud to be puerto rican or dominican or um venezuelan or whatever country they're from american uh that it um I, i'm glad that this exists and and then beyond that beyond the internal pride that the players feel. And I know that you've tweeted a lot about this and I've thought that that was awesome, but something like 40% of television sets in Japan were tuned into that game last week against Australia. It was Japan versus Korea, 63 million in one game, which was on at like what? 6am here in America. Right. And so you, uh, someone did the math and it was like uh, the, the most watched baseball game ever got X if you consider that this was being watched by 40% of the, the Japanese population, plus another, however many in Korea were watching it. Uh, and, and then the weirdos like us that might've been up to watch it here, it might've been the most watched baseball game of all time. Yeah. And so you talk about growing the game. Uh, I think pulling talent from all over the world is what really makes this game so special. And, and you see it in uh, in baseball, you see it in basketball, you see it in soccer, right? World games are just, the, I think they're on another level. And um, so I think that that's something that's really special about baseball and something that we should encourage. And so the fact that this event exists, uh, I'm happy that people are so passionate about it. Uh, the last point that I'll say, and then I'll, I'll I want to hear some more of your thoughts, but uh, there are some guys that, you know, they have great individual careers uh and and they get to you know do whatever and they they make us say oh wow but their teams don't necessarily accomplish what they uh are to accomplish you know like Barry Bonds those Giants teams they were good sometimes the Pirates teams they were good once uh but he he didn't get to regularly play meaningful October baseball games all the time right and so to see somebody like Mike Trout who's been in the situation where he's played in one postseason series, I think at this point in his career, yeah. he gets banged up year after year, unfortunately now the last few years. Um, and, and so to see him with such joy, like even tonight, right? Like Goldschmidt hits that home run tonight, in the United States against Cuba and, and the joy on Mike Trout's face it's like nothing that I've seen because he hasn't been in an opportunity to be in these huge games. The, uh, the, the excitement of Trey Turner, who's played in World series and is one of the best players that major league baseball has to offer saying that that felt bigger than any home run that he's ever hit in his entire life oh, the grand slam the, to go I, ahead. I got the tweet from, uh, from, from Bob Nightingale here. Yeah. Trey, call, Trey Turner calls the Grand Slam the biggest hit he's ever produced in his career, and this is the loudest baseball crowd he's ever witnessed. That's incredible. Yeah. And you watch the crowd shots, 
because that game was so back and forth. That was a phenomenal game between the United States and Venezuela and so much passion. Yeah. On both sides. And, uh, for him to be like, yeah, it was so big. Like me who plays at the highest level of the highest level possible. I blacked out when I hit that, uh, <laughs> that's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, and, and that's the purpose of sports. So, uh, for me, the world baseball classic is awesome. I, I love getting this little taste of, uh, of baseball before it officially kicks off at a high level. And, um, and so I'm sad that these guys are getting hurt, but I think that they could get hurt doing anything. And if they care about it, I'm glad that they're using the talents for things that they care about. And I'm glad that the teams are empowering them to do that. Oh, absolutely. And you pretty much hit it on the nose. So I'm going to keep it very brief here. Um, one, I mean, as far as, Diaz, I mean, that's a freak accident. He's celebrating a very big win. We talked about the emotion that comes along with the World Baseball Classic. It happens. Altuve getting hit by a pitch on the thumb, like that's quintessentially baseball. It's just, if that's, it's going to happen whether he's playing, whether he's taking batting practice or live BP, whether he's taking spring training at batch or whether he's in the Classic. It's going to happen no matter what. He was facing a, a major league pitcher maybe arguably a guy who should have been out of the game by then, but that's neither here nor there. It's part of the game. It happens. You know, we're, I'm a Mets fan. You're a Mets fan. And, and I, I can't get upset about Edwin Diaz getting hurt, doing something that clearly was very, very important to him. And that'll kind of lead me into my next point here is that, you know, it's so rare, at least in baseball, that players get to play for their country, their friends, their families, you know, your heart's at home. I think that's a, that's a universal thing where if you travel the country, if you leave your home and you go make your life somewhere else, your heart's always at home for most of these major league players who are not from America, their heart is there. And you've heard many, many players express how important this is to them. I believe I want to say talking baseball had a clip, of would, uh, a bunch of players, I don't know, I think it was DR and PR, who would you rather win a World Series or would you rather win the World Baseball Classic? And these guys were were all, you know, pretty adamant that they would rather win a, ball, a World Baseball Classic. And people were very upset about that. And to me, I just don't get that. I understand the player's perspective where it's so rare that you get to play for all of these things and not just, and I don't want to, you know, boil it down to just guys going to work, but this is just guys going to work. That's all it is. I mean, this, it's something different. It's, it transcends professional baseball on a, Oh, you play for this team and here's your contract. It, it, this world baseball classic uh, classic transcends that. And to me, that's, you know, that's just a beautiful thing. One more point that I really, really want to make, you know, look at the, is a young 21-year-old pitcher who's pitching for Nicaragua. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. He pitched, he, he uh, his name is uh, Duque Hebert. And mm -hmm. I think of El Duque, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, because that's what mm -hmm. I see, it's Duque. Yeah. So he struck out Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, yeah. and, oh my goodness, now I can't remember the third. Manny Machado hit a rope double off of him. Oh, and Rafael Devers. Um, Electric. Electric. And the next day he signed a contract 
with the Detroit Tigers. Now, if you tell the Tiger you, Scout didn't let him leave the ballpark <laughs> that night without a verbal agreement. That's amazing. I mean, this is and and this that that's almost an instant ripple effect of what that many eyes on players that would normally wouldn't have a tenth, a hundredth of that many eyes on them. This is the ripple effect that we're going to see immediate. And in the future, if you look ahead 10 years, I think that you're going to see a, a, a Japanese or a Taiwanese or, or, you know, you could probably look anywhere at this point, but like, wow, these guys are stars. Um, Ulrich Broyarski. He's a, a power hitting guy from Australia. He got drafted, I believe, by the Tigers a few years ago. This guy's got pop. I really think he's going to be a player one year in the major leagues. And I want to say he's back in the Australian professional leagues at this point. But, mm. you know, you got 10 million people watching you at six o'clock in the morning and someone's going to see that, man. It's always like, boy, I give me a give me 10 minutes with that swing and I'm going to turn him into an all star. And that's yeah. all it takes. I, I think that, you know, this is just so good for the game on so many levels. I really can't find a, a downside. I really can't. Yeah. Well, so even also uh, on top of that, right? Like even the guys that don't necessarily have some budding career to look forward to, right? Like why shouldn't the 35 year old journeyman have like another moment where he gets to face off against top competition and it's represent the country? It's glory. Like the, the, oh, it's, it's so pure. Yeah. And, and for like, I was hyped six years ago, we won this thing. I was so excited that Adam Jones catch. That's like one of my favorite baseball memories. Um, so that matters to me. I, I care about the United States winning. I'm tuned in right now. I'm hoping that they're going to beat Cuba. That's an especially heated matchup. I think. Uh, an emotional one, man. In Miami, that's incredible. And just to yeah. fill everybody in, as we speak, it is the bottom of the second. Pete Alonso just uh, flew out for his first at bat. Adam Wainwright uh, let three guys reach to start the night. Only one run crossed. And yeah. uh, as Taryn noted, Paul Goldschmidt hit a very big home run in the bottom of the first, and it's currently two to one. That's right. Um <laughs> And so uh, I'm, I, I love it. And um, look, these guys can get oh, hurt. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Trey Turner just did it again. Three, one U S <laughs> behind you. I'm excited. Um, I, uh, so just to, to sum <laughs> up, <laughs> I got a little bit lost because I'm excited for the home run to come. Now, uh, listen, these guys can get hurt anytime, right? Like we saw with Nimmo, that's just like an awkward uh, play or uh, Lux is just running around the bases and it happens. Like, you know, I, I, I'm glad that it's at least for something meaningful. I care a lot more about this than, than spring training games. Well, we'll look and at Nimmo. Yeah, exactly. And and even with all of that, I I'm I'm upset that Diaz is hurt because I'm I'm excited to watch him and I wanted to watch him more and I wanted to watch him pitch for the Mets cuz last year was such a cool redemption story. He gets this big contract. I was excited to see um how he uh how he responded to that. So, it's a bummer for me as a fan, but it's a way bigger bummer for him and uh and oh, crushing. And if if Steve Cohen is like, we're going to do whatever we can to to help you and is providing him with 
uh, a live-in chef and like all of these other things to help him as his recovery progresses. And it, it's Steve's money and Steve owns the team and Steve has invested so much to, to make this uh, like world series window a reality. Uh, and he's got that attitude. I don't know how I could be anything, but um, you know, supportive and, and hope that uh, he, uh, that Diaz comes back soon. Yeah. No, and, and it's amazing. Uh, Will Salmon from The Athletic was reporting it. I believe he was the first one to break this, that Diaz wants to come back before the end of the season. And then you hear that, of course, you heard Cohen's quotes and he, we're going to do everything we can to to help get him back and get him healthy. We you know, support him fully. And I'm not sure if one is tied into the other, but I mean, hey, if everyone's on board, like you said, uh, how could there be a a red eye in the house, <laughs> an angry eye in the house? How, how could you, you know, I, I just don't understand how, um, how people are that upset. Boy, they are just teeing off on Elias for, uh, for Cuba. I think he, he must be tipping or something because everyone's just creaming him. That's awesome. Hopefully they can run it up. Um, you, you mentioned Nimmo, uh, and, and I was saying that the awkward play, uh, he said that he was relieved that uh, that there was no structural ankle or knee damage and that he's going to be ready for opening day. I think the Mets might slow play him a little bit, given how important it is for for him to uh, contribute to this team the way that he did last year as a table setter. But um, what do you think the the repercussions are for the roster? Do you think that there are any at this point? Um, external, as far as Nimmo, no. Um, I, I do think that the Mets are putting out feelers to to, you know, I think bringing in Robertson. Of course, he you you didn't bring him in to be a closer, but you know he was closing games for the Phillies up through yeah. the postseason into the World Series last year. Um, okay. You know that's that's good enough for me. Uh, whether he could do it all season as a veteran, we'll see. I think the Mets do have depth, and they can do they they can play that closer by committee role or however they kind of want to go through this. Um, I would like to see them go external. Um, you know, I think Diaz's brother in Cincinnati uh, would, would be a, that'd be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> that one, it'd be really cool too. He's terrific. And, you know, you add Jeremy Hefner's knowledge to pretty much any, any pitcher with a wart, <laughs> with a, you know, a wart or two. And yep. you're making him, you know, you're increasing his ceiling just working with with Hefner. So um, I'm very interested in David Bednar. He's going to be expensive. If yeah, he Nimmo will. was a full season, if Nimmo was a serious injury, I, I was anticipating, oh, boy, you're giving up. All Package Reynolds and him. You're going for Reynolds and Bednar. But if Nimmo's not serious, then, hey, you don't got to go that route because I like what the Mets prospects are doing. We'll talk about them in the second half. But – yeah, um, you know, you got Marte who could play some center. You got um, uh, Kana who could play some center. Uh, you have Tim LaCastro, who I believe can play some center as well. Yeah, I think that they would go to LaCastro before they went to Marte, given how Marte's uh, season kind of like fell apart down the stretch last year with the injury. Yeah, and I, I think I want to say that he said – um, that he'd rather play the corners. Uh, and then I believe Canada got, got, um, got the start in center field on Sunday. 
I don't know mm-hmm. if he misplayed a ball or it was a little bit windy, but I, I, I have the, I didn't have the volume on, but um, you know, spring training stuff. But I know that they're both capable enough to play center, and that that's that's fine by me. But LeCastro's having a really nice spring, man. He's hitting 342 with a, a 1049 OPS, which probably not sustainable. But, uh, boy, I mean, you're, you're pretty much penciling yourself in. DJ Stewart hit for the freaking cycle today. Yeah, that was awesome, especially because he said that he was about to be pulled from the game before that at bat. Yeah. Oh, that's all. I know. All I, I Again, I had it on. I didn't have the uh, the volume on. I was doing some stuff around the house. And, you know, you, you see him celebrating after and he, he's got a full beard and he comes back to the interview and he's got a it's trimmed down and it's lined up. I'm like, oh, man, this guy, he knew what was happening. Good for him. <laughs> Staying on top of things. But here's another guy who has um, he's got a minor league option year left. Clearly, he's got some major league experience. He's had, you know, peaks of success. He's never really been able been able to put it together. I know Baltimore gave him a lot of chances. Um, yeah. 2020, the the COVID year looked like he was really really found something, but he never really found it, and and really really took a downturn last year. Boy, if he can make it click, that's just extra depth, man. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, and uh, and he said that part of the reason why he really wanted to be here. With the Mets is obviously the organization, the chance to compete for for something big. But he had brief overlap with Buck in um, in Baltimore, and uh, really was impressed by you know obviously one of the greatest managers of all time. So um, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about the depth that they have. LeCastro in particular, I think that having a burner in the lineup is is just huge. I think that that changes the dynamic of the game, especially with the way that the rules are set up now. Uh, I think that they're trying to encourage more of that running. And so if you have a guy in the lineup that can really take advantage of that, uh, I, I think it's massive. Oh, absolutely. And Danny Mendick. Danny Mendick's another guy who's probably going to be on the um, on the Syracuse flushing shuttle. But uh, when I know he definitely went two for two to start the day on Sunday. I'm not sure what he did in his third at bat, but very impressive home run. Um, I did see a, a 25 degree launch angle on that first home run and he got he got all of it, man. Um, maybe it was wind aided. Who knows? But still, hey, you know, solid contact is solid contact this time of year. Um, he's another guy who flies and can certainly give, you know, that bench mob kind of depth if needed. Like I, I can't foresee him getting regular starts, but, um, you know, having a guy like LaCastro, having a guy like Danny Mendick just there, um, or uh, available if needed is such a, that's such an asset. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit uh, about the the guys in the rotation. Um, they all had an interesting week. Uh, should we take our break first? Yeah, break time. We'll hear from the uh, we hear from our loyal sponsors, and um, we'll be right back. You guys, hang tight. And we are back. Um, yeah. You got to tip your cap to Max Scherzer, huh? He he, uh, he went seven shutout innings on Saturday night on, uh, I believe they were facing Houston on uh, in, in Port St. Lucie. It might have actually been in um in the West Palm Beach area. But, boy, that's uh, 
an encouraging sign. And Verlander's got like a 1.6 ERA through his first couple of outings. So, yeah, they're doing what they, they know what they have to do this time of year, right? Yeah, and I think it's a matter of ramping up and and wanting to be ready uh, to take the ball. Um, yeah, Scherzer was magnificent. Four hits, one walk. He struck out eight and uh, seven innings, like you mentioned. So he's got a sub one ERA over three uh, appearances this spring. I think that, um, you know, just kind of like last year, the team will go how the rotation goes. And so having two future Hall of Famers at the, at the top and having them both kind of looking like they're already ready uh, is really exciting, I think. What are your thoughts on Carlos Carrasco? I know I said it on Twitter. Um, he had a really, really nice start on Friday. It looks like he's turned it around. But, you know, inconsistency has tended to plague Carrasco in his time here, even before, even, you know, during his time in Cleveland. He had his ups and his downs when he wasn't, um, when it wasn't a health issue. Um, or, you know, he had, a, I believe it was 2018. He was just lights out. He was incredible. But, um, you know, at least since he's been with the Mets, there there have been ups and downs. Uh, his first few starts of the spring, he was striking out a bunch of guys, wasn't walking anybody, but giving up solid contact. And, you know, I think as we've seen Carrasco kind of lose his command at times, and that'll happen. He'll give up hard contact, give up home runs, but then, you know, light switch. That's what a veteran guy can do to me. And um, or at least in my mind, that's what, a you know, a veteran has the ability to just, okay, this is what I'm doing wrong. He'll self-diagnose. He'll go out there and he'll, he'll get the job done. And that's kind of what we saw on Friday. He looked, uh, he looked like cookie. Yeah. And uh, the, the seven strikeouts and the fact that um, I, I liked it was um, it was Alvarez behind the plate. So continuing to develop those skills as a, as a catcher. Um He's not really having a great, he's having a very nice defensive spring. He's not having a good spring at the plate. Well, I, I mean, that can't be terribly surprising. I, I know that we're trying to talk about the pitchers, but it can't be terribly surprising. You're being asked to focus on, you know, eight different things that you've got to do. And, it, it, you know, being a catcher is, uh, is one of the hardest things I, you can attest to that you played it. So, um, <laughs> I, I I think there's a reason why there's only so many hitting catchers and what made Piazza so special. Right. But um, with cookie, I think that he's important, not so much as he was last year, last year, he's kind of being relied upon to be like the three, a or three B um, because they, they, with Bassett Walker and, and him, but uh, this year, I, I think it would just be like a nice, depth piece, especially because um, you are relying on some older guys and you don't know how they're going to hold up. you got a guy in McGill who was hurt last year. Um, and uh, and so I, I think it's just a matter of you can never have too much pitching. I think also if he pitches pretty well, that's somebody that maybe you could um, expend uh, 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 either him or another player at the deadline and, and not miss a beat. So um, he's important. He's important in the sense that uh, the Mets need all of the pitching that they can get, especially with Quintana going out and having a, a bit of an unknown in terms of Peterson and McGill, even though they're both having fairly good springs. Peterson definitely. <laughs> And McGill, uh, mostly. 
McGill was pretty solid up until Sunday. Um, I know Peterson and him piggybacked on Sunday against the Cardinals. Peterson still hasn't allowed an earned run this this spring. Uh, Twelve innings now, and he's walked eight. But you know, he's another guy. But uh, you know, you have to imagine that working with veteran pitchers like Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander and Carlos Carrasco, he's going to get some pretty good tips on how to straighten himself out. You know, in quick order. Um, Tyler McGill. Uh, you know, this is a guy who, of course, with Quintana out, it's going to be very important for for all the depth, whether it be Carrasco on the back end, whether it be McGill and Peterson, you know, these guys are all going to be kind of earning their keep and, and who, you know, whoever's going to be able to get the job done, that's who's going to be in the front of the line. And, you know, right now you'd have to look at David Peterson and say, boy, he looks ready to, to, to do some damage. And I'm very curious as to, and that's not, that's not a knock on McGill. I think he's got, 100% got the makeup, got the stuff to be a part of this rotation. Um, yeah. I'm very curious to how things shake out with regards to usage. You know, if they're going to go with a six-man rotation, if they're going to wait until Quintana's ready to do that, of course, or, you know, if they're going to use everybody in a, in a rotation-like setup, um, I'm curious if that internal competition will keep your McGills and Petersons nipping at the heels of the the, the top dogs in, in Verlander and Scherzer, just that mm-hmm. natural progression of internal competition. And I'm excited for it. Yeah. Well, I think that one really nice thing about Peterson is that he's shown that he is capable of doing that sort of swing role. Um, and that's something that the Mets had really counted on Lugo to do for them the last several years. Uh, with him no longer being there, um, I, I think Peterson is the type of guy that you can rely upon. So I'm glad that he's having a great spring, and I, I would like to see him get an opportunity to kind of be the lefty to break up the uh, the righties in the rotation. Um, but I, I know that he is capable of doing whatever the Mets need, which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I, I guess they're um, whether it be taking it slow or just kind of. Showing, I guess, maybe showing the the league a, a little bit at a time as far as um, what Kode Sanga's got. It, it, I, I really do think even without Quintana, this is going to shape up to be a really, really nice rotation. What was your take on Sanga? Now, I know he was coming off the finger thing where he had his tendon that was a little bit sore. Uh, bigger baseball, um, probably the culprit there. And I wish I could remember who pointed that out before that was actually reported someone said and i just can't remember who it was it was on twitter they said i bet you it's because of the bigger ball it was um but he didn't use the ghost fork in his i believe his second appearance yeah and um the first one after the one that he missed with the finger tendonitis Okay, right. Now, do you think it was more of the finger tendonitis? Do you think it was let's not give these guys a look at the goods? Um Option C. I, I think it's like a, a matter of wanting to work on different things. Yeah. Uh, and maybe he wouldn't tell us anyway, even if uh, if he was trying to protect that finger or if that, you know, the, the splitter kind of affects it. I, I'm not sure. But uh, I think it's a matter of wanting to 
uh, practice kind of against uh, live hitters. So uh, he, he threw um, up to 97. He, uh, he was working on that cutter, working on the, the slider. So um, I think he mentioned that those are new pitches to him, new grips. Um, and, and so wanting to, to do that and be able to practice it in a live setting. I, I think that's probably what it was. And, and I, I don't think that that's abnormal as far as uh, you have a plan, you kind of want to uh, work on different things. Well, I mean, his, he's been throwing that sweeper his first couple of starts and uh, spin rates very, very close to Ryan Presley. Who's, you know, uh, one of the best closers in the game for Houston, uh, wow. 20, 2700 ish. Um, and again, it's very small sample size. We can't look too far into it, but you know, 44 and change inch drop. That's just a, a roundabout that he's got, you know, that's on par with, with Brad hands wipeout slider. He's at forty-seven and change, albeit from the other side of the of the plate of the other from the other side of the uh, of the mound. But um, almost a foot of glove side run on average. You know that's a a nasty pitch. Yeah, if you want to work on that, work on that all you want. Um, the cutter, just looking at spin rate itself, very similar to Colin McHugh's cutter, which is extremely effective. It has been for a while, but you're looking at two feet of of drop and, you know, a little bit of glove side run. Um, you know, that's again, the, the, the deception quotient is through the roof with his stuff. And, you know, you look at the four seam and, you know, that's again, just comparable to, um, uh, vertical drop. Well, I guess I should say, I'd say drop, you know, the, the, uh, limiting vertical drop, you know, he's on par with Edward Cabrera, Rafael Montero and Chris Flexen, old buddy Chris Flexen, which is all you know, a little over a foot of of a vertical drop, and that's you know that's impressive. Nine inches of glove side run, by the way, on his four seam, eight and a half nine inches, and again, all very very small sample sizes, but impressive stuff, man. Yeah, he, he did collect a couple of strikeouts on that slider, so. Um, I think that's going to be a really useful pitch for him. And then the fact that he has the the splitter that he can always rely upon. Oh, I think he's that, got a lot of, a lot of tools. I think he's going to drop that thing more often than we think. Um, do you remember, I guess Zach Wheeler's real, real breakout year after he got healthy, he was using this, the, uh, the splitter a lot. That was his strikeout pitch for a couple, for a, a, a pretty much a full season. And, um, it's just such an effective pitch because it comes at like it, it it's the same pitch that why it was developed, you know, all so many years ago, it comes at you like the fastball and then it just falls off the table. And I think the, the ability for, for Sanga, who looks like a very crafty pitcher, even for a younger, you know, a guy on his younger, younger side, <laughs> younger half of 30, I should say, younger side of 30, but you know, Again, I think it's all going to trickle down from the analytics department, the new pitch development department, Hefner being able to kind of convey that information, veterans saying, guys, this is good stuff, and everybody buying into it. It's a perfect storm of great, great things, man. I don't know if this is going to be the year the Mets win 110 games and win the World Series, but everything that's happening now behind the scenes is just so good, man. 
Yeah, top-down organizational development that has taken place under uh, Alex and Steve Cohen is is um, it's amazing. It, it's really uh, a testament to them and their ability to build a business, right? And um, and so I, I obviously we you know maybe we're too happy go lucky about this sometimes, but it, it's uh, given where we came from and where we are now. It is, uh, it's something that I, I don't take for granted. Oh, uh, we could save the complaining for when the Mets go on a four game, five game losing streak in June. <laughs> they didn't do that last year. So <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. Hey, it takes a lot of breaks to win 101 games. And, right. you know, if they're going to win 105 this year without their closure, it's going to be even tougher. So, you know, we have to be ready for anything. That's, it's kind of like a global baseball tournament. Anything can happen. It's uh, it's baseball, man, and I I absolutely can't wait. I can't wait either. You have anything else? I don't think so, man. I have my 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 post its are all here, and I I really do think we hit everything. I know we forgot something, but no, that was good stuff. <laughs> no. We'll have to come back and and talk about it again. So oh, end of the week, hopefully. Um, I know we got a couple of things lined up. I will talk with you off air about that. Very exciting things, actually, and and um. Yeah, and we'll uh we'll, have, we'll we'll chat soon. Absolutely. What's that sign up? It's let's fucking go, Mets. I can't believe it, man. We're like ten days. No, yeah, ten days away. I think ten days by when it when we're on tomorrow. Can't wait. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. You know where to find us. Peace.